All right, good morning. Welcome. Glad all of you are here today. Thank you for coming out on a beautiful, rainy, cloudy day. Gorgeous day. It's fall. I said it last week, and it was kind of true for a couple days. <laughs> and then it got hot again, as it always, always does. But thank you for coming out today. It is really exciting to get to get together every single week. I look forward to this every week. I know you do too. Uh, that's why you're here. <laughs> and um, so glad that you are. And you might have noticed, I want to take a minute before we really get into, you know, our content for the day. Um, you might have noticed over the last month or two, as you were looking around the room, that there seems to be more people here than there have been. And that's because there is. Okay? And it's been really exciting over. All right, here you go. And so it's, it's awesome. It's great. And as for those of you that have joined us recently, we are so glad that you're here with us. Um, and we have space in here. But here's the news that you may not see because you are in here with us. The, the space that restricts us here is not this room. It's our kids' space, all right? We have limited and kind of admittedly awkward kids' space, okay? We got some kids upstairs. We got kids underneath this, right here, okay, uh, under the stage right now. And they have to, you know, co- they have to go through and around and all this kind of stuff. And those of you that have kids, you know this. And the reality is we've been growing pretty, like, crazy over the last couple of months. And I think God is really honoring what we are set ourselves to do in this community and in this church with the family center. And now that that's ramping up, I think God is saying here, you know, more people here. We're going to do this together. So let's, let's get everybody in and let's do this thing. Um, but what it means for us is that, um, that we are, we're out of space. Okay. Not in here. We got a little elbow room in here, but we're out of space for our kids. There's, there's not enough space. And so we've been talking a lot about this um, with the, the elders and the trustees and staff of the church over the last couple of months. We've been looking at some other options um, that, haven't, that haven't worked out for us. But this is what I want you to know today. All right. And this is, I'm just going to say this as, you know, just generally throwing it out there. All right. Our church needs a new home. And I don't know where that is. I don't know when it'll be, but we're out of space here, and I think God wants to move us to a new home. And so all I'm asking for you to do today is to be praying about that, because I don't know. No, I mean, I don't have, there's nothing in front of us. There's no opportunity that we're like getting, there's nothing like that. I don't know. So I want to ask you to be praying about it. So turn your hearts to heaven and ask God what he wants to do and see if he leads you or shows you anything. And then the other thing I want to ask you to do is to put your ear to the ground, <laughs> If you know anybody, we want to be, ideally, we want to be in downtown Salisbury somewhere or close to this area. This is where we feel like God has brought our ministry. This is where we want to stay. That's kind of tough to find a spot in this area that will accommodate what we do. You know, obviously, we need big open space for doing this, and we need children's space, and we need parking. That's part of it, too. So uh, that's kind of hard to find. And so I want to ask you just to put your ear to the ground. If you know people that are in real estate, if you know people that uh, own commercial real estate or other things, just... Keep, keep your ear to the ground and open up and be praying about it. And we believe that God's going to lead us to something. We just don't know what yet. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there so you know we're looking at what the next steps look like for us as a church, even though we don't know what they look like right now. So we're just looking. It's great because God is building our family. And he's doing it in a really incredible way. Some of you are new around here, and as we've been getting to know you, it's been really incredible, really awesome. And God has you here for a reason. He's got a purpose for you, and it's just a matter of finding that and how we're going to serve together as a church. 
as we go forward. We're talking in this series uh, about this personal declaration that we're making to serve God in our relationships, honor him in our relationships. And so we're going to keep talking about that today. But before we do that, I'm going to do one thing. If you can bear with me for one second, I'm going to leave you awkwardly and then come back. Okay. You good? Was it too awkward? I heard shortest message ever. Uh, I heard you. I heard, I heard. Oh, it's Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Okay. No, I just turned off the air conditioning unit on this side so that we wouldn't have that squeaking all the way through. I can't do that. Okay. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. We figured out that we could turn off one of the units and leave the other one on so we'll stay cool, but that thing won't squeak anyway. Just had to do it. All right. As for me, I'm not dealing with it. Okay. Not with the squeaking. All right. We've been talking about, because the mission statement of our family center is to uh, equip families to honor God in all of their relationships through the, the three environments that we're using. And this idea of how we honor God in our relationships, it can sound good, but then it can be harder to understand how to implement. And so we're talking about some of the ways that we honor God in our relationships. So the way to do that is to understand what our relationship with God is supposed to be like and then use that as the model for what our relationships with each other are supposed to be like. If we understand how God wants us to relate to him, then we can understand how he wants us to relate to each other. So that's what we're doing in this series. We're using him as a model. And the the principle I want to talk about today, um, I think is best illustrated or illustrated well with a game. You want to play a game? Want to play a game? Any competitive people in here? Okay. You're going to be disappointed in this game because only... Only two out of ten people are able to win this game. You, you ever see those ads where the game ad comes up on your phone? It's like only one out of 25 people can win this game, and you're looking at the game on the ad, and you're like, that looks easy. I could totally be one of those one, one in 25 people. And then you get in there, and you realize it was just a, it was a bait and switch. Anyway, um, I'm just trying to, trying to pull you into the game. Here's the way the game is going to work. Uh, we're going to put an image up on the screen. I've got five of them. All right, and it is a zoom in on a picture. And based on the zoomed in picture, I want you to try and guess what the bigger picture is. Okay, you ready to play? I got five of these. All right, let's put the first one up. Here's the zoomed in picture. This is not going to be easy, by the way. (laughs) All right, any guesses on what this picture is? Trees, watermelon, watermelon. What else? Kermit, the frog, (laughs) I like your style, (laughs) all right, a golf green, ooh, that would be cool, Uh, all right, okay, so those are the guesses, you ready, let's see the big picture, oh, it's a field of sunflowers, obviously, I told you this was going to be hard, I'm not giving you anything, not a single thing, okay, I'm making this super hard on you. All right, let's go to the second one. So nobody got that one. Does anybody know what this is? A Pink Floyd concert. (laughs) Now, see, you know me, but that would be an interesting choice for church, really, to to do do a picture of a Pink Floyd concert. I mean, I'm not afraid of much. I'm not, you know, and I, I can be, I guess, edgy at times, but I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. 
San Francisco. Picture of San Francisco. A dentist, oh, a dentist drill. <laughs> Can you imagine being in a room that dark having your teeth worked on? That would be even worse, wouldn't it? I mean, like one light on you in the middle of the room. Okay. A desk lamp, you're close. You're close. All right, ready? Let's look at the bigger picture. Obviously, that's, that's a man doing wood carving, okay? But, but, but it is a lamp. There is a lamp, so Barry, you got that. Although what I think is interesting is that it's not on. Um, so I don't know why he's not using it. All right? He, so here's the thing. And this is what I want you to be thinking about as we're going through this game. If you zoom in too far on a picture, you totally lose perspective on what that picture is. Right? There's a bigger picture, but if you zoom in or if you zoom in on the wrong thing, who knows what it is? Let's go to the next one. A seagull. Is, it's a good guess. The beach. Heard the beach. A rock, a football. Oh, man, it's the preseason. Man, the Bills were sharp yesterday. Sand trap, surfing. You're close. I mean, that, that does look like sand, doesn't it? You're close, but that's not what it is. All right, let's zoom out. What is it? I mean, that's obviously, it's obviously a Star Wars minifig walking through sand. <laughs> I don't know how you didn't know that. Seem pretty obvious to me. All right, let's go to number four. Like I said, we got five of them. Great, you're right, that is grass, yes. A cow, that's a good guess. A dog. Y'all think it's an animal? We just can we just go broad? You think it's an animal? A tractor? Okay. All right, let's zoom out. It is an animal. It's very serious. That's obviously. A sassy kangaroo. It's <laughs> a sassy kangaroo. Look at that kangaroo. I, <laughs> what did I Google? Uh, it's an algorithm. I don't know what to tell you. It just popped up. Uh, all right. <laughs> sassy kangaroo. All right. Uh, one last one. You ready? You might be able to get this one. If you're sharp, you might get this one, okay? Here we go. Last one. It is, it is not Ben Collins. What? Zoom out. It's Michael Brown. That's right. You got it. You would know that beard anywhere. I tried to trick you, but that's one of my favorite pictures. <laughs> Michael Brown out at the cafe. And uh, he had a surgery by this way, and he, by the way this week, and everything is good, and he's doing great. And so thank you for those of you that were praying for him. The point of this exercise, of course, is... There is a bigger picture. And when we get zoomed in on a small picture, on the little things, we lose perspective on the bigger thing that's happening. And this is really important for us to understand. It's important for us to understand in our relationship with God, and it's important for us to understand in our relationships with other people. We have to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture, as we talked about last week, is the decision to honor God with our life and to honor God in our relationships. And so what I want to do is go to the book of Philippians, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there. And we're going to look at something that Paul said to this church, and uh, the, the church in Philippi. And what I want to encourage you to do as we're reading this is to, do, is to focus on the bigger picture. Not just what he's saying, but how he's saying it, 
why he's saying it. As you look at, and, and this is the thing about these letters that, that Paul writes, um, we read them as scripture, and sometimes it can almost feel a little sort of textbook-ish to us, like it's, this is a document. Um, when this is a personal letter that Paul wrote, so when you see the way he writes to them, it's not just what he says, but it's also how he says it. You can see Paul's heart flowing through what he writes to these people that he spent time with, people that he loved, people that he invested with in, and people that he cared about. So there's a relational component to everything that he writes, not just a practical one. And so um, in Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Again, just as we're reading, look at how he's saying this, what he's saying. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I see him addressing his friends here, the people that, these people that he loves, and saying, God is doing something in you. God has a purpose for you and his relationship with you. And I need to remember that, and you need to remember that, that in, in our relationship with God, he didn't save us just to save us. He saved us to have a relationship with us, and that relationship has a purpose. It has a reason. There's something big that God is doing in your life. And his relationship is there so that he can help you and I to do that. It's not just for love's sake. He's accomplishing something. There's a purpose, a picture, something that he's creating in you. And we need to remember that. We need to put our eyes on that and not just get bogged down in the minutia or in the details or in the things he's telling us to do or not tell, telling us not to do. We, we need to look at the bigger picture. I was thinking about this um, this week at dinner. Um, the older our kids get, the harder it is to get everybody to the dinner table at the same time. Those of you with teenagers or grown kids, you, you know that kind of flow. We, we would always, when they were young, have dinner together almost every single night, and now everybody's going this way or that. And um, we were able to get all to the dinner table on Tuesday night this week. And one of the things we've done for a very long time, um, and uh, do every single time everybody's there for dinner, is something called highs and lows, something Jess kind of implemented years ago, and it's our favorite part about family dinner. And what we do is we go around the table. It's a way to find out what happened during the day, to get more detail from everyone, and to interact and to help each other problem solve and work through issues or questions and other things. Had lots of great conversations come out of highs and lows. Um, so everybody goes around and just shares what their high was from the day, and it has to be something specific that happened to you, not just my high was that it was sunny today. That's not good enough, okay? You got to share something specific that happened to you, and then that same person shares their low, and when they're done with their high and their low and we're finished discussing it, they call on the next person, and we, we go around the family, and uh, kind of a special tradition, but Tuesday night, we were going around, and it came to JD, and he said, uh, my high for the day is that I finished all my science work for the week. I was like, that's my boy, you know, <laughs> finishing all your work for the week on Tuesday. He said, I finished my science work for the week. And then it dawned on me, though, this, I had this, I'm thinking about this message, and I had this sort of narrative running in the back, in the back of my head, and I thought, well, let's hang on a second, because 
the purpose of school is not to finish your work. Right? <laughs> the, the purpose of school is not to pass tests. The purpose of school is to learn. So you can rush through and finish all of your work and not learn. You can pass the test and remember just long enough to get an A, but not really learn anything. I think it's one of the reasons that uh, you see oftentimes people that are like C students end up doing really well in life. They're smart and they were learning all the way along, but maybe they just weren't good on the tests or doing the work, right? The point of education is not to do the work. The point of education is to learn. And so he said, I finished my work for the week. And I was like, well, tell me, what did you learn? I thought I was going to catch him. I did. <laughs> I thought I was going to get him, but I didn't get him, all right? And then he launched into exactly what the assignment was and what he learned. They were learning about making inferences and how to make a proper inference. And so he went through the whole thing, and I was like, okay, good. That's good. Because we need to focus on the big picture, not the small picture. When you think about what God is doing in your life, you need to focus on the big picture, that he's begun a work in you or works in you, and that he's going to bring them to completion, but there's a big thing that's happening, and we get so hung up on the little things. God is using our relationship with him to mold us into the people that he wants us to be. That's called discipleship. As we learn from him and look at the model of Jesus and learn how to follow Jesus and become more like him, our relationship with God is a discipleship relationship because it has a purpose, not just there to make us feel good. He's not just there to make all of our wildest dreams come true, like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. It is to transform us. That's why he has a relationship with us, to transform us. It's the reason that he just doesn't take us away as soon as we're saved. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but it's like if God is going to bring us into his presence, whether that's we go to heaven or whether Jesus comes here, whichever of those things happens first, what, if that's the goal of God saves us, why doesn't he just airlift us out? <laughs> he wants to teach us. He wants to mold us. He wants a relationship with us. It has a purpose. It has a big picture. He's preparing us and training us and getting us ready. It's discipleship, relationship that we have with him. Paul says this all over the place. He says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He, he says to the Corinthians, but we all with unveiled face, which is not about masks, it's about our ability to see God face to face and not be behind the veil, okay? Sorry. Uh, he's saying with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. This is the big picture of what he is doing in our life. And then he says to the Thessalonians, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. God doesn't just want you to pray so you can check off a box of to-dos for the day. He wants you to pray so that you are engaging in the eternal relationship that you have with him. It's relational, and it's purposeful. He doesn't just want us to purify ourselves so we can be better people. 
He wants us to purify ourselves so we begin practicing how we're going to live forever and preparing for what he has in store for us. He doesn't want us to just read our Bibles like it's homework that we have to do or a textbook that we're reading. He wants us to read Scripture so we can be transformed by it from the inside out. It's about a relationship with a bigger picture that's going on. And one of the the reasons it's so important for us to have this big picture of what God is doing in our life is that it helps pull us through the little pictures. Those moments where we make mistakes, those moments where we fail, the moments where we feel like we let him down, the moments where we feel like we're faithless, We can always, even in those little pictures, know that God has forgiven us and picks us up and walks forward and that there's a bigger thing he's doing. So the little bumps in the road are not so significant because our eyes are up and forward on the bigger thing. When when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, he gave his life for all of your sin, all of it. He gave it for the past sins, he gave it for your present sins, and he gave it for your future sins. He knows all about it. And he paid for it. And he doesn't want us to sin, okay? It's not okay, but we are forgiven. And so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, what he did for us dying on the cross and his power in the resurrection walking out of the tomb, we put our faith in him for salvation, we are forgiven, and we enter into the big picture, the long-term, eternal. And he wants to purify us and he wants to change us, which is a process of of learning and growing and changing and falling and getting back up. And he is with us and walks through us all through all of that purification, all that sanctification process, all that discipleship process. And every time we fall down, there's forgiveness for us and we can trust in that. But if we lose sight of the big picture and we zoom in on the little thing, then we get so focused, so myopic, so closed-minded about that one moment, that failure, that time in our life, whether it's present or past or fear for the future, we get so focused in on that thing that it disrupts our relationship with him. It drives a wedge in between us, not for eternity, but for now. Causes tension and fear and frustration because we zoomed in on the little picture and we need to get our eyes out and back and say, God, just keep doing this thing in me. Keep doing this thing in me. We turn our attention to the big picture. And if that's true in our relationship with God, I believe it is also true in our relationship with each other. That we often, in our relationships with each other, get so focused in on the little picture. And we either don't have a big picture for what the relationship is doing, where it's going, and what the purpose is. Or we lose sight of what the big picture is. We get so focused on the little things, we get hung up, and we can't get past them. We can't get outside of them because we've lost perspective and we've lost focus. Now, Paul says this to the church right after what he just said. He said uh, in verse 5, he who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, he says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partake. You all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more 
and the knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. See, Paul understands that they are in a discipleship relationship with God and that they are in a discipleship relationship with each other. If our goal is to honor God in all of our relationships, then all of our relationships are discipleship relationships. All of our relationships are discipleship relationships. The big picture in our relationship with God is our transformation into the image of Christ. So the big picture in our relationship with each other is each other's transformation. That if I'm in a relationship with you, it's because God wants me to use that so that I grow closer to him and you grow closer to him. That we're discipling each other. All relationships. If our goal is to honor God. Now, I would dare say, and I hope this isn't true in this room, but I would dare say that most Christians don't look at their relationships this way. They, don't th- they think relationships are just relationships and don't put on these glasses to think about them. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I think one of the most clear and maybe one of the most uh, damaging in some cases. You have a Christian who is wanting to date, okay? Wanting to date. And, you know, whether that's for whatever reason or to, to find their future spouse. They decide, and, and by the way, that that relationship, that is probably the most influential relationship you will ever choose in your life, okay? You're, you don't choose your parents, <laughs> right? They have a huge influence on you. But who you marry, if that's where you're going, you know, who you marry or who you date is you choose. But it's crazy how many Christians enter into dating relationships without ever asking the question, will my relationship with them help me follow Jesus more closely? And can I, will I help them follow Jesus more clearly, closely? Most of those relationships are, are designed either, you know, so I'll be served in some way or so they'll be served in some way to meet some sort of emotional need or whatever it is that I have. When the most important question, if your goal is to honor God with your life, should be this person. Are they going to help me? Are they going to disciple me? Are they going to help me grow closer to Jesus? And then am I going to disciple them? But I dare say even most Christians who get into relationships never even ask that question. Explicitly or even subconsciously. Yet that is the relationship that's probably going to have the biggest impact on your discipleship the rest of your life. So it's very important. Very important. And it's not just that. It's all of our relationships. And I know... All of us, we think about, you know, our house or our relationships or whatever, and they all look different all across the room. So, so what does this mean? If all my relationships are discipleship relationships, am I thinking about it that way in all of those relationships? So start thinking about them right now. The, the people who are closest to you, the people who are responsible for you that you are responsible for, that you're responsible to, each other. If you're thinking about dating or if you are dating someone, Look at the bigger picture of what God wants to do in your life. Is this person going to help you do that? 
Is this someone who's going to grow with me? Now, I found in all dating relationships, one person is always further down the line than the other person, in a way, <laughs> in disciple. Like, when I met Jess, I was like, I, I, discipleship was not at the forefront of my mind, let's say, okay? It was not a goal of my life. It was hers, though. But she knew that I was a believer. She, she saw some of the things that I did and the faith that I had, and she has pushed me so much and challenged me so much. And I walk closer with Jesus today because of you than if you weren't in my life. And I hope the same thing is true for you. And so if you're at that point where you're looking for that person, make this priority number one. It's the biggest thing in your life. And God is doing something big with you. And make sure that person is doing that right alongside of you. If you're married, well, you're already together. So, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> right. You know, the question in your marriage is, what is our goal? What is the big picture of our marriage? And does the big picture of our marriage match up with our big picture of our relationship with God? This is how you honor him in your relationship. It's how you start to say our goal together is to honor God in our relationship, is to follow him, is to serve him, is to worship him together. And that's going to look different for lots of different couples based on your personalities and all that kind of stuff. But is that the big picture of what God is doing in our relationship? Or are we just together because it, it makes the bills easier to pay? Or are we like having fun together or because we make a great team? You know, Why are we together? What is the big picture of what's happening here? Maybe this is, uh, maybe you think about it. Uh, maybe your closest person in your life is a friend. And you have that relationship and you look at that relationship and you say, what are we doing here? What is this relationship? Are we friends because we love football and we love watching football together? Or are we friends because the way we relate to each other and what we do draws both of us closer to Jesus' image? Helps us to honor him in our life. Answer that question. Parents, you've got kids and you are, they didn't choose you. Sorry. Sometimes they want to unchoose you. Right? <laughs> it's how it is. But you are responsible for them. You will be probably unchosen the most influential person in their entire life. And you will have so much to do with who they become. Not complete, they're an individual and a person, but you will have so much to do with it. What are you doing with your kids? What is the big picture? for you as a parent? What are you trying to instill in them and produce in them? What, what good does it do us if we produce incredible athletes or incredible academics or incredible skilled what workers or hard workers if they don't love Jesus? What have we done at that point? Now, we don't have control over them, so don't hear me wrong. There's no shame to go along with that, all right? It's not laced like that. But as for you and the way that you raise them and what you do for them and what you're trying to build and produce and develop within them, what is it? Answer that question honestly. Because if we want to honor God with all of our relationships, then that's a pretty important one. And I won't just talk to the parents. I'll talk to the kids, too, okay? 
Some of you are here with your parents, and that's awesome. And some of you are here with your parents because your parents made this a priority for you. And some of you may not even want to be here (laughs) because there's a game waiting on you at home or whatever it may be. And listen, I want you to understand and appreciate what your parents are trying to do for you. They love you with all of their heart, and they love God with all of their heart, and they want you to love him with all their heart. And they are not perfect, and they make mistakes all the time. I can speak on behalf of all parents everywhere. We're kind of trash at it sometimes. All right, We try, but we're people just like you. And so if your parents are putting rules in place or they're setting boundaries or expectations or asking you to do this or do that, you need to see, you need to, you need to see the bigger picture of what's happening in your life and in their life and not the small picture. They love you and they want the best for you. And so they're putting these things in place because they don't want you to make some of the mistakes that they've made because they want you to see the world the way that you need to see it, the way that they know is good and true and honest and pure. And so respect them in that. And I know some of you may be, some of you kids may be in situations where your parents' decision is not to honor the Lord. And you're here and you have an opportunity to disciple up to your parents. You have an opportunity to set an example for them of what it looks like to be like Jesus and look like Jesus in your family, even if they won't. So commit yourself to that. You can't speak for them or on their behalf, but say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. You can make that commitment. It makes all the difference in the world to look at the big picture. It is, it is imperative on us as a church, too. We are a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the children of God. We love each other and we serve each other. And we have to make sure that we are always looking at the big picture. The big picture of what God is doing in our church family. Not at the little picture, not at frustration, not at those kinds of things. At the big picture. And push each other. Pull each other forward into the image of Christ. To, to build on the relationships that we have here. Discipleship relationships. So that we're all growing and maturing. I love the way um, the author of Hebrews puts this, and I actually want to read it from uh, uh, a paraphrase. This is not a Bible translation, but a paraphrase called The Message, written by Eugene Peterson, and I love the way that he summarizes Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 through 25. He says, so let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. That together we are in a discipleship relationship. We are pushing, spurring, getting creative in the way that we do it, encouraging each other, challenging each other to move forward. And uh, we can't control the other person in a relationship, whether that's our spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or kids or parents or brothers or sisters or coworkers or uh, anything like that. But we, have to take, we can take responsibility for ourselves. 
And so I want to encourage you today to look at and assess your relationships and see if they're discipleship relationships. And that may require, as you're looking at that in honesty and truth, it may, may require looking at some of those relationships and seeing some changes happen. In some cases, if it's somebody that you're not committed to, it may be ending the relationship. I've had to do that from time to time because the influence was not good. Uh, maybe it means reorienting a relationship. You're in a relationship with them, you need to, and you're going to continue. But now I recognize it's a discipleship relationship, but instead of them discipling me, it's just flowing one way now. My calling, my, my goal, what, what God wants to do through me is he wants me to disciple them. Well, the influence is going to flow in one direction now instead of two. Or in some cases, maybe that's an evangelistic relationship where what this person needs, they need me in their life, and what they need is Jesus. They need to accept him as their Savior, and they haven't done that yet. And so I'm going to recognize what God is doing in this relationship. The big picture, he wants to use me to help bring them to Christ. Maybe there's a relationship where both of you are committed to honoring God, but the nature of the relationship, the way that you've interacted, hasn't reflected that. And so what's needed is a sit-down conversation to discuss it and agree that your goal for your relationship is to bring honor and glory to God. And here's how we're going to do that. And maybe for some of you, you made that decision many, many years ago with that person. And today would be an awesome day to reaffirm it with them and recommit to it. That we would say, as for me, I'm going to focus on the big picture of what God is doing in me, transforming me into the image of Christ, what God is doing in you and transforming you into the image of Christ so that together we are achieving and accomplishing God's goal for us. As for me, I will focus on the big picture. So to get this perspective and to understand exactly what each of us needs to do, let's go to the Lord in prayer now and ask him to speak to us as he has been throughout our time today. Let's ask him specifically to solidify these things and confirm what he wants us to do, all right? Let's pray together. All right, Father, we come and we bring all of this to you right now. Relationships are so, obviously, they're so personal to us. We're so close, and we have commitment and responsibilities and history and successes and failures and all this kind of stuff. But ultimately, Lord, we want to bring honor and glory to you in all of those relationships. So, Lord, I ask right now, first of all, that you would confirm to us and solidify to us our relationship with you to remind us of the salvation that we have through your son, Jesus. Forgiveness of sin on the cross, life demonstrated in the empty tomb. And there may be someone today who starts that relationship with you by putting their faith in Jesus asking for salvation. And that today as they make the decision to give themselves, they give, to accept salvation on the cross, as they do that, that you begin the big picture in their life of, of molding them and transforming them. And that as they walk forward and they give themselves over to you and they ask for your guidance and your direction, as they make themselves pliable and moldable that you would continue to lead them 
into what that means in their relationship with you, that you would transform them, the, the process that we're all in, the different steps, different times, different places, as you're transforming us and molding us into the image of Christ. And we understand that you have, you've given us this relationship with you. You've forgiven us of our sins. You've given us the spirit and you've given us this relationship with you so that you can do that. As you prepare us and mold us and shape us and use us. Help us to look at our relationships with each other in the same way we would look at our relationship with you. Discipleship relationships to bring honor and glory to you. And for every person here, all our lives are different. God, our relationships are different. So whoever it is, put them in front of us right now. Show us what's right or wrong about that relationship. And in this moment, move in our heart so we know what to do. So we know how to respond. So that we can embrace in these relationships the big thing that you're doing. The transformation that you want to see in us and the transformation that you want to see in them. Confirm that to us. Show us what to do. Give us the confidence. Give us the boldness to go do it. And open these relationships up like this, this unfolding or this unveiling to see something bigger, something better, something purer, something more honoring to you, something beautiful and free and light, something in these relationships that's deep, that's rooted consistent that'll pull us through all of the small picture stuff that happens because our eyes are on the bigger thing give us this kind of perspective give us hope because we know that the work that you've started in us you will complete and we want to walk with you all the way. And we want to walk with each other all the way. God, I ask that you use us together. Show us how in this family, in this church, we are to encourage each other, to serve each other, to spur each other on, to challenge each other so that together we can do the same thing pursue growth, pursue discipleship, pursue maturity, pursue you. God, we ask you to do that in us, to use us that way. And our commitment, as for me, we will serve you. We know you're going to take all of this, God, and you're going to do something beautiful with it. Something in our lives, something in the lives of everyone around the room. We can't wait to see. It's in your name we pray. Amen.